We are continuing our studies in the life of Joseph, and we are in session number six this evening. And we are looking at timeline five, which happened at the age of 30. You know, we looked at how he was in prison for the three-year period. And now at the age of 30, he is released from prison. So the title of our study this evening will be Remembered, Released, and Elevated. Remembered, Released, and Elevated. Now, when we last saw Joseph in our study last week, he was languishing in an Egyptian prison. He was in a place of hardship, but still he was faithful in serving the Lord. He had his priorities in order. And even though he was in prison, he was faithful. Okay. When we last saw Joseph, he was waiting for a visit from the outside. Remember, the cupbearer and the baker had a dream. Both the dreams were fulfilled. And at the cupbearer, when he was released from prison, Joseph said, remember, remember me when you get back to uh, uh, the house. But what happened? He forgot him. And people also forget, isn't it? People also forget. But God never forgets. I wonder this evening when you have been looking at the study of Joseph, you are in a similar situation. Last week we looked at you know, how we can be in, a, in the prisons of life and how we should be responding to those prisons. Maybe you are in one of those Waiting rooms, as it were, you're waiting for God to do something. Remember, at the age of 17, he was picked up and sold. Now, it is age 30. 13 years have gone by of waiting. I wonder, if you were in Joseph's position, whether you would have been willing to wait for 13 years, okay? Are you waiting for something to happen in your life? Maybe you're praying for something and your prayer has not been answered at all for a long, long time. Or maybe you have planned something for the future, but those plans are not working out. Or maybe you have some dreams for the future, but it is still just a dream. There's no sign of becoming a reality. You know? But in this time, in this period, don't give up on God. Keep trusting God. Even though people would forget, God does not forget. God remembers. And that's the theme of chapter 41 of the book of Genesis. Joseph is remembered. Joseph is remembered. To anyone looking at Joseph at this particular point of time in his life, it would appear that the Lord had forgotten him. 13 years, remember, is a long, long time, isn't it? But God never forgot him. It seemed as if God had forgotten him, but he has not forgotten. He is working behind the scenes. And this chapter speaks about how he's working behind the scenes. So if this evening, again, you're looking at yourself and saying, where is God? Why did this happen to me? Remember, God has not forgotten. He's working things out behind the scenes. Now, once things become clear, then you will know what it was. But right now, when it is happening, when God is working, you don't know about it. But we can be rest assured 
that God is working behind the scenes. So encourage yourself this evening, whatever situation you are going through, that God is at work behind the scenes. How is, it, how is he at work? In chapter 41, in our verses 1 to 7, we find Joseph uh, uh, hears about Pharaoh having a dream. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 41 tells us, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Two full years have passed. After what? After the cupbearer being released. Now, for two years, he has been hoping and hoping and hoping that something will happen, that the cupbearer would have told Pharaoh, and then we will get a response back, but nothing for two years. Now, after two years, God is at work in the background giving a dream to Pharaoh. Now, remember, you know, the story of uh, Joseph is filled with dreams, isn't it? First of all, Joseph had a dream. Then you have the cupbearer and the baker having a dream. Now you have Pharaoh having a dream. Two dreams are mentioned over here, two parallel dreams. The first dream is about the fat and the thin cows. You find this in verses 1 to 4. It says, now it happened at the end of the two full years that Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. Okay, this is the first dream. Crazy dream, isn't it? You, know, you, know, you look at the one cow eating up the other cow. You know, strange dream. So that's how Pharaoh suddenly gets up. Okay. Then the second dream, verses 5 to 7, you have the fat and the thin ears of grain. He fell asleep and then he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a, a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears thin and scotched by the east wind sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. Think of these two dreams. Crazy dreams, isn't it? They both start off with the recognizable features of Egyptian life. You have a river, that's the Nile, which is the life line of this place. You have cattle grazing along the river. You have grain growing in the fields of silt that are deposited by the floods year after year. Now, these are familiar scenes, but these familiar scenes are disrupted. How are they disrupted? Remember, cows are not carnivorous, isn't it? But here you have you know, one cow eating another. And then you have grains don't eat anything in the conventional sense, but you, know, you have one year of wheat eating another. And these two dreams have come one after the other, okay? After a short waking period. Think for a moment, if you were Pharaoh, what would your feelings have been, okay? You go to sleep, you have this dream, you get up with a start, and then you go back to sleep, and you have a second similar dream, and naturally you're going to have questions about it. This one, verse 8, it says, Now it came about in the morning that his spirit was troubled. His spirit was troubled. So what did he do? Okay, You have two parallel dreams, now you have two parallel <coughs> interpretations, or two parts of interpretation. The first part is 
that he calls all the magicians together. It came about in the morning that his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. That was his first immediate reaction. He says, my magician's job is basically to tell me my dreams. And now they are not giving me any response. So what does he do next? And <laughs> if you notice, now the second path comes in. This is where the cupbearer suddenly comes on the scene. <clears throat> Verse 9 tells us, then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker, and we had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him. And he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came about that just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. What happens now? When magicians have not been able to find the answer to the dream, the cupbearer suddenly remembers. He says, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Okay. Now, he doesn't uh, not sort of uh, uh, say, look, yeah, I know about Joseph. How does he put him, uh, and, uh, how does he express uh, and, uh, details about Joseph to this person? He says he's a young man. He says he's a Hebrew. <coughs> he says he's a servant. Now, these are not good terms, isn't it? In other words, He's saying, you know, this guy is not really an, uh, an important guy. He's an, an, a person of no consequence whatsoever. He's a Hebrew, he's a servant, he's a young man. <coughs> but you know, maybe he could interpret your dreams. So if you notice, the cupbearer is not promoting Joseph. He's not asking him to remember Joseph, you know. He is only saying, hey, I forgot about this. He makes no mention whatsoever about the fact that he had made a promise to Pharaoh, uh, to Joseph, that he would speak to him about Joseph. He doesn't say anything about that whatsoever. This, again, is a scenario in which you may think, you know, it's a dead end, isn't it? You, know? you may have thought that the cupbearer, you know, would uh, have uh, promoted Joseph you know, immediately. That doesn't happen. And even now, when the magicians have failed, he's not saying immediately there's this guy called Joseph. No, no, he says he's an inconsequential fellow. He's really, I don't know if he will be able to be of any help to you whatsoever. <coughs> but remember again, God's hand. Just as much as God's hand was in Pharaoh, big guy, you know, and gave him a dream, God also is reminding the cup bearer after two whole years, you know, right time to say, hey, put in the word right now. <coughs> okay. Now, this is what we must uh, remember. When we are in a situation, when we think that, you know, we are at the end of our rope, don't give up. Don't give up. Okay. You know, it may seem 13 years, but don't give up. Somebody has put it across so beautifully, it says, you know, when you're at the end of a rope, tie a knot at the end and hold on to it. Okay? 
tie a knot at the end and hold on to it. What is the knot? Hold on to God. Don't give up trusting him. And that's what you know, Joseph did. That's what Joseph did. And if you notice, as soon as the cupbearer you know, remembers Joseph, you know, he is released. Okay, He is released. Verse 14 speaks about his release. Okay, What does he do? He immediately has a shave, changes his clothes, you know, and gets to go and meet with Pharaoh. Remember, Egyptians were clean-shaven. Whereas the Jews typically wore beards. You know? For the Jew, having a beard was a sign of respect and authority. Whereas for the Egyptians, to be clean-shaven was a sign of respect and authority. So as a result, when Joseph has to be presented to Pharaoh, he first has a clean shave, he changes his clothes and you know, dresses himself up in a way that would be favorable to Pharaoh. How we present ourselves you know, to the other individual is important. Joseph doesn't say, look, I've given up hope now. And I don't know why he's calling me. I just go as I am. No, Joseph, if you notice, you know, is trusting God for something to happen. Okay, That is how he prepares himself. He readies himself. That is also symbolic of a faith step that he takes, isn't it? Remember when the Jordan had to be parted, you know, you know, the priests had to take that first step. You know, the waters did not part and then the people went through it. As they took the first step, you know, the waters parted. I believe God has a lesson here for us. You know? Believe God and take that step, which would be the key for your release. Okay, you know. Now, as soon as you know, he is summoned, verse 14, you know, it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself, changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to him, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Okay, so... Magicians have failed, so now another diviner is called. Okay, who is a diviner? A diviner basically is a person who uses special powers to predict future events, you know, and that is what these magicians were supposed to do. Now they failed, so as a result, now another person has been invited. He's looking around, Kabbara suggests you know, Joseph. So Joseph is now summoned as the diviner. Joseph is now summoned as the diviner. Now, when Joseph is called, okay, now Joseph could have said immediately over here, look here, I also had dreams for so long, 13 years ago I had a dream, but it has not worked out. And I, so how do you think your dream is going to have any significance? No, he trusted God. And if you notice his statement in verse 16, it says, Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So it is Joseph's testimony of God's unique role. He says, I don't have any parts. I don't have any parts. Okay. It is all to God. He gives God the glory. He does not push himself up and say, yes, I was the guy who interpreted the cupbearer and bakers and her dreams and it came true. So as a result, I have the capacity. He's not looking at his past experience. He's recognizing that it is not in him that uh, he's able to interpret dreams. God is the one who 
helps him. Joseph trusts God that God will provide him with an interpretation, okay? And then he believes that once God gives him that interpretation, he is the one also who will have it, make it happen. Think for a moment. Joseph, a young man here, 30 years of age, stands before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, big guy, okay? And stands in front of him and says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. What courage to believe God? It's not confidence in himself, but confidence in God. And to speak to a pagan, to speak to a pagan and say, God will give a favorable answer. This is why we must ask ourselves, when the non-Christian world looks at us, when you have done you know, something very good, maybe you've done well in sports, you've done well in studies, you got some rewards, you know, what is your response? Do you say, you know, I did a good job, you know, I did a lot of studies, I did a lot of research, you know, it was by my blood, sweat and tears that I got this. How would you acknowledge God's role in that? Is your testimony to God's unique role? Not to the Christian world, but to the non-Christian world. That's what Joseph did, isn't it? He could stand before you know, Pharaoh and says, God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer, okay? Now, when Joseph says, God will give a favorable answer, so Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, verses 17 to 24. He says, you know, look here, you're speaking about God giving a favorable answer. This is the track record of my magicians. My magicians are supposed to know God, but you know, they are not give, able to give me any answers, okay? That is what he explains. He says, okay, you're telling me that God will answer me, but now let me tell you what my guys, you know, who are also saying they are you know, depending on God, what are they saying? Verses 17 to 24, he gives them the whole dream, isn't it? And then in verse 24, he says, then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. There was no one who could explain it to me. So look at the compare and contrast between point two and point three. Point two says testimony to God's unique role. Only God is able to do things in our lives. Now, you may say the gods of this world are also doing it. No. If you notice, you know, the final answer from Pharaoh is, look here, they couldn't do it. They couldn't explain it to me. And this is the world that we live in. The world is looking for the one true God. And if we believe that, you know, Jesus is the one true God, we need to be able to stand up and say, Jesus is God. He will answer. I will pray. God will answer with that confidence that Joseph has because the people around are looking for answer. They say, I went to this God, I went to that God. It has all failed me, okay? Now, Joseph then gives the interpretation of the dream. Verses 25 to 32. You have the details of the interpretation of the dream. First of all, look at the significance, okay? It says, Joseph said to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. He says, this is the reason why God has given you this dream. It is not your dream. God has given this to you. And as a result, God will also give you the interpretation. This is not just a weird dream that you had. 
This is a very significant dream because it is not your choice. It is God's choice that God has given you this dream. It's a very significant dream because it is divine in its origin. God has told to Pharaoh. Then he speaks about the storyline. He explains what's going to happen. You know. Basically, the explanation is that the great abundance of the first years will then be swallowed up by the severe famine that will take place in the second half. Okay? So what he's really going and telling Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is you think you're in charge of the future. Okay? God has given you this dream, but let me tell you, God is telling you that you're in charge, you're not in charge of the future. You will have plenty, years of plenty, but there's also years of famine that is going to happen. You're not the boss, God is the boss. And that's an important lesson for us, isn't it? We may make plans for the future, but finally, God is the one who is in charge. It is not us, no matter whoever you may be. You may be the richest person, the greatest person. You may be the pharaohs of this world. But who is in charge? God is in charge. Did Pharaoh have any say that, you know, look, I'm not going to make the famine happen? No. No, God is in charge. It does happen. So that's the storyline. And then you have the sovereign fulfillment. Fulfillment. He says the repeating of that dream to Pharaoh twice means that this dream that you have had, this matter, has been determined by God, and God is the one who will bring it about. In other words, these are events that are going to happen. God is in charge. Now, when you're looking at the chaos that is there in the world, okay, people are running helter-skelter. What is going to happen in the future? What is going to happen in the future? But you and I who know the Lord, you and I who know the end of history, you and I who know that God is the one who is sovereignly in, charge, sovereignly in charge, he is the one who is working the events out. These are events that will soon take place. He is going to come back again and establish his kingdom here. And that's the message that God has given to us. So we don't have to be afraid, you know, but we can be sure, we can with boldness share with the world about what God is going to do. What happens then when Joseph you know, uh, gives this interpretation, <laughs> verses 33 to 37, we find that Joseph is elevated. Now, but before he is elevated, remember, he has now given this interpretation, okay? But, you know, just giving the interpretation alone is not going to ensure that you know, he is you know, going to be safe. He could just be put back also in prison, isn't it? Okay, you've done your job, now you can go back, you know? So, what did God do? God put the plan in Joseph's mind, okay? Remember again, God is the one who is in charge. This is not, you know, Joseph's uh, uh, brains that has worked over here, or Joseph's scheming, no. You know, the plan did not originate with Joseph. The Lord put it into his heart, and he shared his heart with the king. What is the plan? He made this plan into operation when the uh, plenty years are there, you save, you store, so that when the years of famine come in, it can be utilized. This was the plan that he proposed. So you have the action plan that was proposed by Joseph. Okay? In verse 33, he says, put the right man in charge, and now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. 
Now, does Joseph say, oh, yes, since I gave you the, plan, uh, the uh, interpretation of the dream, now if you give me this position, I'll be very happy about it to do this job. No, no, that's not what he said. He's not saying, look, I'm the man for the job. No, he's only saying that this is what is going to happen. This is how you're going to be safe. In order to be safe, you need to get, put a person who is in charge so that you know, he can uh, fulfill this planning. So he says, put the right man in charge. That's the first thing that he says. You know? There are five steps over here. The first step is put the right man in charge. Then second step is you appoint overseers. You, know? you appoint overseers. Verse 34 tells us that Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land. Okay, Put the right man in charge, then appoint overseers. Then third step is collect heavy tax of grain for the first seven years. Okay, And then fourth step is store and guard these grains. Fifth step is distribute the grain in the next seven lean years. Okay, So this is the action plan that uh, now, uh, Joseph proposes. Okay, you know, First of all, you select the right man. Then you appoint people who would be under him. Then collect taxes you know, from the grain for the seven fat years. And then store and guard them during this period. And then in the seven lean years, you can then distribute the grain. Important thought over here. Okay, Every aspect of Joseph's plan called for a dynamic action. Joseph's dynamic call to action was based on the knowledge of what God was about to do. Remember that. God had told him this is what's going to happen. He does not say, okay, if God is going to do this, I will sit back and see what's going to happen. No, okay. God told him what's going to happen in the future. The knowledge of God's purpose you know, did not stop him from planning, did not stop him from planning. The fact that God has set the future should be a point of action for us. When the Bible says the plans that I have for you are for good and not for evil, we don't sit back and say, oh, God, you have good plans for me, so I will sit down and see what's going to happen. You will work it out. I'll sit back and relax. No, no. There's an action plan that is proposed. God has a good plan in store for each of our futures, but we must also be involved actively. Make out that plan for the future. Secondly, you have this action plan is now affirmed by Pharaoh. It is now affirmed by Pharaoh. The Bible says now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his uh, nah, servants. You know? Now Pharaoh says, hey, that's a good idea. Okay. Now, next it says he's, the action plan is executed by Pharaoh. The action plan is executed by Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there's no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Okay. Pharaoh executes the plan. You need one person? Okay. Who shall it be? It will be you, Joseph. Joseph did not ask for that position. A lot of people actually are working towards a position. No, no, work towards serving God. God in due time will give the position. Joseph did not aspire to the prime minister's position. What Joseph was doing was faithful 
in what God had told him to do. God told him to go interpret the dream. He interpreted the dream. Nothing more is said over there. He doesn't put in a word and say, please do something for me. He doesn't say, okay, I want a reward for what I've done for you. Nothing. It is only faithfulness to God. And when you and I are faithful to God, the Bible assures us that in due time, God will definitely reward us. If we are humble before God, God in due time will reward us. How was Joseph rewarded? You find that Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put the gold necklace around his neck. Three things that Joseph got here. He got a ring. It symbolized Joseph's authority to act as Pharaoh himself. He was given the authority to sign the king's name. He was given a robe. Think for a moment, the robe that was lost, the robe that his father had given him, that was gone. The robe that he wore as a slave has now been gone. Now a new robe has been made for him. Possibly it could have been a very expensive in an Egyptian linen robe. And what did this robe signify? It signified that he was the ruler of the land. And remember, he held on to this robe for 80 years. Okay, For 80 years, he had this robe. You may have lost out something for a short time. But remember, when God repays it to you, it's for a long, long time. So when you're at the end of a rope, put a knot there and hold on to it. He also got a gold chain. Okay, It showed that you know, Pharaoh had uh, respected Joseph and Joseph was to be respected. So whenever he passed by, everyone was to bow at his feet. And there was also an inauguration parade and he had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. 13 years ago, what dream did he have? Of people who would be bowing down to him. Now, 13 years later, okay, some part of it, it is not his brothers, it is not his family who is bowing down, but the people of Egypt are now bowing down before Joseph. Okay, Fulfillment of a dream. Hold on to your dreams, you know, dreams that God has given, you know, plans that God has for you. Don't give up. Hold on to it, but also make the action plan to make it a reality in your life. Let's look at some application questions this evening for this passage. Number one, the butler forgot, but God didn't. God keeps track. God is in control of all of life. He's working in your life even when you cannot see his activity. He has a plan to deliver you and to promote you in his time. See the unseen hand of God at work not just in the good things, but in the bad things. You're in prison, see the unseen hand of God at work, okay? Because God does not forget you. He remembers, he remembers. Secondly, God gave Joseph opportunities to make a difference by demonstrating patience, displaying discernment, and being a spiritual influence. He displayed patience by 13 years, you know, hanging on, you know, never giving up. He displayed discernment by able to show the dreams, discern the dreams that God had given to the cupbearer and baker and Pharaoh. He was definitely a spiritual influence, both in prison as well as in Potiphar's household, 
as well as to uh, no, Pharaoh himself. Which of these three is the hardest for you? To make a difference by demonstrating patience or by displaying discernment or by being a spiritual influence. Number three, Pharaoh recognized that Joseph was filled with the spirit of God and God is working through Joseph. Pharaoh recognized that. Does the world around you, do your friends recognize you that the spirit of God is living in you? Do they recognize that the God whom you worship is different, is powerful than the God they worship? Do they recognize a difference about you? Fourthly, take time even this evening to thank God for all the ways he has protected you during tough times. Maybe even during this whole pandemic time. So many people have lost different, different things, but God has protected you. Have you stopped and thanked God for that? His unseen hand of protection. Take time to thank God for different ways he has protected you through tough times. And if you are in a tough time right now, ask God to meet you in the darkness and strengthen your faith. Help him to show you. He is still around. He has not forgotten you. Ask God to help you to open your eyes and see this truth. And finally, number five, how has God changed your life in the past five years? Stop for a moment and say, hey, God is at work. How has he been at work in your life in the last five years? And what would you like God to do in the next five years of your life? Okay. And what can you do today to move in that direction? There's a plan of action that we must have, isn't it? Joseph had a plan to say, okay, this is what's going to happen in the seven years and seven years, you know, but this is the plan of action. Sometimes we want God to do things for us in the next five years. We have that dream, but you don't have a plan of action. So what can you do today to move in that direction? Ask God to show you the steps, the action steps. Remember, it was God who showed Joseph those steps. He is the same God who is also able to show us the steps as well. Let's bow our heads and pray together.